Thank you for listening to the Motorific Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Christy Farrell, a.k.a. ADB Goddess. I have my lovely co-host, Joanne Don Geertrick, also Howdy. on the line. Howdy. And we want to welcome you to episode 54, where we will discuss a couple of Intermont releases, upcoming motorcycle events that you should be aware of, some road racing news. Oh, and maybe we'll do a, a few minutes of your trip as well. Yes, probably the, the week I spent in Nepal. We'll cover that towards the end of the broadcast. Oh, and I, I didn't go to Nepal, but this weekend I did go to New York. Well, briefly. I went over the border for like 10 miles, but I went to Jersey and then Northern PA, which I have not explored yet. So that was really fun. Exactly. And I think because of our, our interruption last week with losing audio, we also lost your other adventure. No, oh, that's right. Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, when I was... So let's start with that. Okay, so I'll keep that really brief. So when I went home uh, two weeks ago in San Francisco, I finally rode a DRZ 400 SM. And the uh, SM is the supermoto version of the DR. So it's basically the same bike, but it has different suspension, uh, you know, front different front suspension. And it had, uh, it, generally it has street wheels, but my friend put on um, Trailmasters. He put on these dual sport 70-30, like 70 street, 30 dirt, but they were still kind of knobby. So I took it down into the twisties and it was fun. I, I had a good time. It was uh, by far the tallest bike I've ever ridden in my life because it, it pretty much bounced out to about 35 inches with the low seat he had and then the higher tires. So he had a gel seat, which dropped it an inch, but then he had tires, which raised it an inch. So pretty much back to a stock 35. Uh, but since that bike weighs like 320 or something, or I don't know, 300 pounds, it's, it's pretty light. So it was definitely manageable at, at the height. And I didn't even wear my big shoes. I actually didn't even think about it and um, had fun. A lot of hanging off on the side, you know. But uh only did like 120 miles on it, but spent some time in the city riding around in traffic. And it was, it was actually a really fun ride. I wouldn't, I, I now know that I could not have that bike unless I only rode it as a city bike because I, I just didn't, it's not that I didn't have fun with the way that it rode in the twisties, but that bike is a dirt bike with street suspension. It still has a very light front end. It still rides like a dirt bike. You can just, you know, ride a little harder on the street with the right tires um, and a different suspension. But I, I think I just learned that I don't want one. I... <laughs> I mean, I guess if I had a boatload of money and I just felt like buying one, then maybe like I'd... a fifth, like a fifth bike. Yeah, like <laughs> say I need a fourth or fifth bike, and I really want a supermoto. I would buy that. One, the other reason I, you know, wouldn't write off, or I wouldn't buy it immediately, or it's not at the top of my list, is just is the height. I mean, it, I could ride it. It just wasn't very convenient, and it was a pain in the ass. So it just. It's just too much um, anxiety, you know. It didn't drop it or anything, and it's actually fine, but it it just, it's a lot of work, and I want my bikes to be a little bit easier to deal with. So, I mean, even riding the triple around with a 32 and a half inch seat height is already a lot of work, but that thing weighs 500 pounds, so it's, 
and that's still a bear and I it actually bugs me and that's why I won't keep that bike as, as mine because it's just too it's too annoying to deal with it I mean I took it up to New York leads me to my second ride I went took it up to New York on Sunday um, up to Milford which is at the border and then I rode up uh, up to Hawk's Nest which is the big road or whatever which you know it's still not a big road for me given what I'm used to but it was nice it was very scenic and it was beautiful but even riding that bike up there was it was fine and it's it's right at the cusp or kind of at the border of what I want to handle um, on a daily basis or you know what you know what I mean as a go-to bike I just I can ride it but it's still like a little out of my comfort zone it's just it's tall and fat and like at one point there was about a mile of traffic uphill through this tiny little town for I don't know what reason I think it's just a cool little town everybody goes to in the winter or whatever and I couldn't I could not sit there and wait in traffic because I probably would have cramped up you know with my toe down like my calf probably would have cramped up trying to sit there on an incline holding myself up so I actually went right into this state park and I saw a bike go that way in a car so I thought okay there's got to be a way to go around it so I looked at my phone and it was a little park that you could go around so it was just a really good detour however it was a, a kind of unpaved park so ended up on some turret and gravel which which is no fun when you're on a bike that's really tall and heavy I mean I I, I don't know I mean I'm sure if I were on like a WR250 or something it would not a big deal but that bike's heavy and I can't exactly you know stop on a dime in gravel or in dirt like I can't. it was just nerve-wracking the whole time like I, I don't want to drop it I don't you know I don't want to end up on a road that I can't turn around and pick up a pickup and you know what I mean just like all that anxiety is there all the time and it drives me crazy so I will not keep that bike for that reason so it begs the question, why were you not riding your bike? Oh, because I still trip? I still need a tire. My rear tire has a slow um, leak in it. It's only holding twenty psi. And the last time I ooh. took yeah, and the last time I took it out, it was losing eight psi about an hour. Wow. I know. That's so bad. I know. And before that it was only losing like eight psi over a week or two. Is that is your bike tubeless? Uh I believe it is. Um so cold at the cold pressure, it was just leaking too fast. So I think there's wow. another leak in it. Um, so, yeah. So I've been waiting to buy a new tire because of logistics. It's a boring story. So I, I finally ordered one today. It's it's coming in a few. It takes a couple days to get to uh, me. I was going to say the amount of discounts over Columbus Day. <laughs> I well, would have jumped in on that. I, I saw so I, many, um, I, hey, great deals on tires coming into my email box this weekend. I'm like, yeah, I just bought a pair like six months ago. I'm good. Yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about discounts, but, you know, it's logistics because we didn't have any here in Philly, and so I have to order it, and then I got to, Evan's got to be here so he can transport it for me to where I got to put my tire on. It's just a whole thing, and now I've got the Triumphs just sitting there, so why not ride it? So I did. Logistics, <laughs> oh, just have it sent to Revzilla. Go change the tire there. No, you can't. There's no service on Revzilla. We're just, we're just an e-commerce company. We sell things, that's it. 
No guys with a tire iron? No, not there's none. We don't have service at where we are. But there's a good person that's just like a couple miles up the road. But you know, I gotta get. That's when you wear it like a hula hoop. You just put it. Uh, on no, your waist. I don't. I don't do that. He can do that. He's done that. But I don't do that. Nope. <laughs> nope. I don't take passengers unless you're bleeding, and I don't put tires around my body so that I can't ride my vehicle. Nope. Oh, you're no fun. But uh, if you're looking for a tire, Michelin Pilot Power uh, Three. That'd be a hell of a photo. Are amazing. Pilot roads are also really amazing. Is what we have on this on the Speed Triple, and I can't tell the difference. Supposedly the Pilot Road is the road version, and the Pilot Power is the sport version, but they're both nice. the same. Well, at least when I rode it, they were both. They were actually, I even rode in the rain, so I had dirt and rain and gravel, and and it was freezing. It was forty in the morning when I got up to New York. By the time I got to the border. Um, it, the temperatures had dropped to about 50 that evening. And then in the morning when I left, it was 40 and I don't have any heated and I have nothing. I have no winter gloves. I have, I have my Gore-Tex jacket, you know, I have, so I, I had on, you know, my smart wool, I had on my windstopper vest under, and then I had my yeah, thermal layer. Oh, baby got chilly. Oh, it sucked. So I also ordered a battery harness for my heated jacket so that I can at least plug it into the bike. So, oh, those are, you were, you're required to plug that in while you're wearing it. It doesn't hold a charge. Correct. There aren't no, any bummer. mobile. Well, there, okay. Gerving, there are. We looked, we talked mobile, about it. Yeah. They have the mobile power heated, but they don't heat as much. If you want. Oh, I don't know. That, that no, one, they don't I can't have, remember. No, really? no, no, no. They don't have like full sleeve heating like these do. This is a 12 volt jacket i mean it uh so 65 watt jacket it heats all the way down the sleeves so there's wiring all the way down the mobile stuff you just get chest and neck and back so this okay. is way more coverage i will actually look up so double check that right so girving and mobile warming are the two that you uh you're probably referring to and they're great i actually yeah, have a mobile warming, mobile warming actually but they just don't heat enough for oh, um okay. when you're well at speed so think about it think about going 65 miles an hour it's 45 degrees out you're up against wind um if you're just sure walking, but your gore-tex jacket should take the brunt of the wind that's going away it, from you it does it still doesn't heat enough i've tried trust me I've those tried. things go underneath right they do go underneath but trust me they're nothing compared to a full heated liner because your sleeves heat your whole chest heats. They only, in the mobile warming, they only have the top chest heated. So the service area is, I'd say, less than half of what you get on a full sleeve gerbing, powerlet, or warm and safe slash first hmm. gear. Um, definitely. Oh, yeah. I can ride in 35 degrees with a heated liner. Uh, no problem. It's awesome because your neck gets hot. It's like all of it. It's great. So, right, so so global warming or mobile warming only has a boob heater is what you're saying. Yeah, it's like chest and then back, but only the upper half of the back. Gerving, yeah, gerving also is similar, but I think their panels are actually a little bit more. I haven't tried that out yet, but yeah, for, I mean, to really get like the most warmth and the most heat, you have to do plug-in. You just get the most power. And what's really cool is if you buy the mounted controllers instead of the pocket controllers on some you can dial up and down the heat intensity so it's not just on or off and it's not just high low but you can actually go from like you know zero to ten or eleven yeah because i remember that mobile warming thing said uh you know the 
battery will last uh, different lengths it of time based on whether you put does. it on nuke or not. Yeah, I mean, it does, but... I was like, 130, whoa, You know, it, it's it's really more ideal for walking outside, go to a game, you know, you're going to the park, you're hanging out, um, you're know. running errands, that kind of thing, which is actually what I'll be using it for come, you know, November. But um, heated is the only way to really stay warm. So other than that, um, my hands are cold too, whatever. But it was good. I only did like 400 miles because I went really slow roads, stayed off the interstate, stayed off the turnpike. Did you, did you have your queens with you? My queen. Oh, no, I don't have those gloves. I have old racer multi-tops, which actually oh. were slightly warmer than my Revit Summit gloves. So all I have for winter are these mid-weight waterproof gloves, but I'm going to buy, I think I'm going to buy a uh, Gore-Tex glove. Speaking of winter gloves, just for fun, I wanted to test this GarageBand update. So I recorded a five minute review of about seven women's, maybe six women's winter gloves that are midweight insulated. So they're not like Alaska gloves, but they're, you know, they're enough to get you down into the fifties and forties. I'd say fifties at least with wind chill. They're all lightly insulated in some way. And then our, uh, half of them are Gore-Tex. So like three are Gore-Tex, the other three are not. And they range in price from 120 to 199 So um, I just uploaded that on my blog just a few minutes ago. Check those out if you're looking for gloves. But I've got a couple on my list. I think I'm going to invest in a... Cause I, I just don't know that I want to go to the trouble of swapping out heated grips on this bike because I'm going to sell her in the spring and buy a street triple. So I don't know if I want to go to the trouble of replacing the grips. And Now what's Evan's bike again? Speed triple. Okay. So speed is the big one, the 1055cc engine. The street is gotcha. the small 675 engine. And it's yeah, same... and that's closer to the, the Daytona except it's, it's the got same some engine. fancier... Yeah, yeah okay. it's the same. And I'm going to try to, I think find a street not a i mean a standard street triple not the r which is the fancy upgraded suspension i don't think mm -hmm. i need that and it's cheaper so i think i can get away put, with that. put an ad out on your your bike now for whatever slightly above your asking see what happens maybe yeah maybe i probably should i i don't know it's yeah fall, i mean though. you don't you don't have to sell it so if you're not in a position where you're forced to well then you can kind of pad it and just be like well if someone wants it awesome i'm in no hurry because i know i'm dialed in for the spring because uh you know it took you so long to find that bike i i would hate well, to know that it takes you like twice as long to sell it so you might as well start now uh, that's a good point yeah maybe maybe i will yeah we'll see never hurts yeah, I guess I could see if anyone, anyone wants to, in the Philly area wants to buy a used SV. The prices are like up and down, so I'm, I don't know. I think here it's so seasonal and it really depends when you list it and the price is dictated by that. Like, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? If people aren't shopping in winter and then they're shopping in the spring and blah, blah, blah. I'll try. Why not? I mean, I just figure I'd stick with her through the winter and then start in march and see what happens but uh um... well the thing with you sticking with the bike during the winter as opposed to me sticking with the bike during the winter is because there's a good likelihood you're not going to be riding it at all during the winter once it really starts to hit yeah i mean i know i so figure it wouldn't hurt. i would take it through i figure through november i could probably ride through november maybe december 
depending how cold it gets in December. But January is when the frigid temperatures really drop down. That's when it started to turn into 19. But yeah, at that point, there will be no riding. But I'm going to try to get through to Christmas and see how cold it gets. The weather yeah. reports are kind of uh, erratic right now as far as if we're going to have another crazy winter where it was 19 degrees and a lot of snow or if it's going to be mild. Like, I haven't seen any consistency yet, so fingers yeah. crossed. So, um, so that's that's the ride reports that we missed from Joanne last week <laughs> and then uh, what happened this weekend. So you want to touch a little bit on Nepal? You want to give us a little... Well, I figured I'd save that for the end, oh. and then we can come up with some uh, some motorcycle news. All right. In the interim. Um, speaking of, let's see, let's just go right into Moto America. So are you familiar with that at all? I Have did see that. Yeah, well, I saw the initial press release a couple weeks ago. What sure, really... That, uh, Go ahead. Give give everybody Daytona. A I think DMG is Daytona Management Group. I think that's what the, mm-hmm. I think that's what it stands for. Mm-hmm. Um, but DMG is what managed AMA Pro Road Racing Series, and there was some, you know, talk maybe a couple months ago. I think finally when they came out with the official press release saying that uh, Wayne Rainey's group, which I think is Crave, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. what purchased. Uh, the duties from DMG and will now take over AMA Pro Road Racing. So flat track and and uh, supermotor, all that jazz, still under AMA's umbrella. But Pro Road Racing will no longer be AMA. I suppose. I think the the word AMA is just going to get wiped out, right? I mean, no, I guess so. I mean, I the one thing that I guess when they actually announced the road race dates. Uh, the pro rotary states for next year, and there's none on the West Coast, except well, no, 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 to, to, to be determined. Uh, Monterey, going back to Seca. It's it's uh, interesting that they I didn't include think that. that. Was, was it included in the list? Yeah, it's interesting that they include that because Wayne Rainey was on the board that that, as far as what I had heard, ousted uh, Laguna Seca from GP when they were determining well three. Um, GP races in America isn't going to happen. So we got to pick two of our favorites and ditch one. Um, so the fact that uh, there might be another racing series there is always interesting. But um, needless to say, the AMA racing circuits are more or less as follows, and a lot of them follow GP. Is uh, The first one will be at Circuit of the Americas, Coda in Austin in April, followed by roughly a week later at Road Atlanta, and uh, a month later at... Uh, Virginia International Raceway. A couple weeks later at Road America. Mm-hmm. You got Barber on the calendar. Indianapolis Motor Speedway along with GP on the calendar. As well as uh, in September at uh, Jersey Motorsports Park. There are a lot of gaps in there. And there are only, let's see, one, two, three, well, four, five, six, seven. There are only seven races. Some Sonoma. I can't believe they're not going <clears> to... <throat> yeah, Miller, um, Laguna Seca. And, and of course, this is a tentative schedule mm. they call it a provisional calendar fully glad to it so things can change but um yeah it'll be it'll be exciting a lot of people were very disappointed and there was a lot of opinion as far as daytona because daytona did not make the calendar no that's true yeah, it um, sounds just really weird but... and daytona is very nostalgic but i think that you know at some point 
much like the arguments were for Laguna Seca, you know, it's it, it was never designed as a motorcycle track. The upkeep, it's it's mm. owned by it, it's an actual park, so it's owned by like county government organizations. It's not oh. private, so it's not updated as much. The upkeep is you know falling a, a little on the oh, got it on the sad side. So. Daytona, I'm not so sure it's upkeep, but I've heard some mixed reactions about how people were unhappy with, like, the course and it was dangerous. Yeah, I mean, if the conditions aren't ideal for racing, and especially from a safety standpoint, like runoff and maintenance, that's that, that can affect people's, I think, life and death. So whatever, that makes sense. You know, if they don't think it's safe and not a good place to race, then whatever. Yeah, now I don't know that that was necessarily the reason why they ditched Daytona. But um, I can tell you from from my perspective of going to to those races and actually quite a few in the last year, Daytona was so sad. It was depressing. Maybe it was like my that's first the other my thing. first pro like road race apart from World Superbike, mm. and there was no one in the stands for a race that garnered such a strong opinion from people being pissed off that it was pulled from the calendar. Where were they when that race was going on? Because I tell you, the stands Maybe were empty. they were the only sad. ones there. I mean, that's no, the- I think there are way more people pissed off on the internet about Daytona being pulled. Maybe. You know what? If you want to express your opinion that way, you should probably show up to the race to show your support. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, maybe. But, uh, you didn't yeah, go to I a mean, GP race yet, have you? No, Austin. I went to Austin. That's right. You did Austin. Yeah. So I did uh, Daytona, Austin, See, World Superbike before that. I did GP way before I did AMAs. Be nice so I, I've seen a couple of professional road races, and I can tell you that... Of what I've seen, there is definitely groundswell support on the lower end of the spectrum that's, um, you know, underneath AMA, like the feeder, if you will, the, uh, you know, Southern California Flat Track Association or Mm -hmm. the, um, what do you call it, the three races that that were sponsored not long ago at the AAA Speedway. That wasn't AMA sanctioned necessarily, but... At any rate, there's a lot of support and interest on those levels, and they just somehow need to parlay, you know, that into professional road racing. Because the, I mean, I just went to flat track, the uh, flat track finals, last weekend, and I can tell you that the stands were pretty packed for that. Well, maybe flat we... track is also a lot of fun, and I think that there's like more of a communal hey how's it going kind of atmosphere laid back than there is in other types of racing i think it it seems to be that way uh, and perhaps that's attractive wayne rainy group will make that happen yeah so we have high hopes for that and we're hoping that you know in the next couple of years obviously you can't make an overnight change but in the next couple of years that uh you know pro road racing in america is is back to like the standard that it was back in the day so we can only hope. Um, so apart from Moto America, we also have some stuff coming out of Intermot. I just pulled a couple of you Which know is things. A big, I didn't... giant motorcycle show in Germany. Exactly. It's like the it's, second. It's to the pre Eichma. Yeah, it's like right behind, right before it. Ducati invited me to go there. I'm like, well, I wish I was going. <laughs> or they have some events or something they're doing. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going there be nice though yeah for example uh, a 2015 ktm 1290 super adventure Mm. they supposedly tout that this ktm is the safest motorcycle in the world interesting (laughs) what makes it so Um, safe 
Well, they have lots of those electronic Farkle technologies. Oh, okay. Traction that, control. Uh, exactly. All that. And now they Airbag. also not only the anti low side device, but also Bosch's cornering ABS. Hmm. Traction control, cruise control, semi active suspension. Oh, got it. Um interesting. Cornering. LED cornering headlights. Hmm. So I wonder if that means Hmm. They're at an angle. I'm looking at this. That's kind of weird. Maybe they like um, light up the inside apex or something. Or something. Yeah. Huh. It's cool. And uh, oh, electronic hill hold control can be fitted as an option. When you can't use your brake. Exactly. And then uh, the 1290 Super Adventure is not the same engine as the 1290 Super Duke R, which thankfully, okay, because. If you've ridden the 1290 Super Duke R, that thing feels like it's 100 pounds. Um, I'm imagining a 1290 uh, KTM Adventure would be absurdly heavy. And so you would lose all of that power. Um, Maybe. Although KTM's, I mean, the Adventures, the Venture line has always been known for being one of the lightest adventure bikes. Hmm. Do relative to others. That it, that's what, what a lot of people really like about them is they're balanced really well. Yeah, so the Super Adventure has a special crankshaft and cylinders that have been added to that engine. Um, yeah, so, well, well, we'll see. I mean, as far as what I hear from people, and feel free to chime in on our on our show notes on our website or on Facebook as well at uh, facebook.com slash the Motorific Podcast, or Motorific Podcast, rather. A lot of people say that if you're going to do 80% dirt, that the KTMs are better better bikes in the dirt than yeah. uh, BMWs are. I've yeah. heard that a lot. Yep. So if you have some immediate experience, because granted, <laughs> my bike has not seen a whole lot of dirt as it stands, I would love to know because, uh, you know, it's not like I'm going to rush out and buy one. I'd be happy to listen to people who have direct feedback from experience as opposed to someone who just loves their BMW and says it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep. So please chime in. Yep. And then... Uh, and then the electric scene for KTM. Um, apparently, they are moving forward with some pretty cool bikes, in my opinion. The free ride. Yeah, the, and that, that had series. been talked about like for three for years. years now. Yeah, yeah, it's always been like a rumor, or whatever. So, like a, a like cool. a motocross and a the XC and the SX, which are uh, kind of spendy as far as you know what I would want to pay for an electric model um 11,000 pounds or no not pounds euros so that would be probably about like $15,000 maybe yeah I mean yeah. don't say a lot about the charge time or the amount of time you can spend on it uh, while moving but it does say that you can fully recharge in uh in 80 minutes or 80% in 50 minutes hmm So some of these look pretty cool, actually. Um, the KTM Freeride. And then their electric scooter. They had been also talking, I think at the same time they were developing the Freeride, we're talking about an electric scooter. And we'll post these links on our website. This is the ugliest scooter I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, I've seen some ugly scooters. This is pretty freaking ugly. Um, let me send you this because it mm. damn 
Um, you'll have to check out our website. It is just, I can't even begin. But anyway, it's decided that uh, <laughs> yeah, the relationship ugly. with electric vehicles is not such that they want to market an electric scooter. Yeah, so they've instead, gone ahead and dumped it. Instead of that, can they please make a 690 Adventure? Please bring like a 690. <laughs> That would do far, far more people would be interested in that. Far well, people, people take the 690, the 690 Enduro and they kit it out yes. as the adventure. They also take the 990 Adventure and kit it out as a 6. Uh, they used to. I I want to say they used to modify. Or no, maybe that's what I'm thinking is that they modify the Enduro version to make it an adventure. To make it a 690 Adventure. Yeah. Um, I know KTM Twins deals a lot with that. But. Well, I mean, most of the people that buy KTMs uh, have a little bit more disposable income than the average person. So if you're willing yeah. to, to go and kit it out, then why not? They're, you're still buying a KTM. So KTM's not about to design yeah. an entirely new adventure just to satisfy that. I think they're they're incredibly reluctant as it is to release the 390 Super Duke. or Is it Super or is it just Duke? Just the, the Duke. 390 Duke. Just the Duke. They're, They've been reluctant to release that, and supposedly it's going to be this this fall, um, or in 2015, rather. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see if they've brought that to IMS. Now which that's the um, bike I would want. Versus which the... we can parlay into our next conversation. Okay. Which is, if you haven't taken a look at the International Motorcycle Show calendar, you might need to check it out because a lot of dates have been shuffled. For example, the Long Beach Show has conventionally always been the first week of December, for as long as I can remember, and that's at least seven years. Mm-hmm. Now, it is November 15th and 16th. So it has now been bumped up two weeks, so it is before Thanksgiving. Um, I think that's also right around the time that the uh, the car show is in downtown LA. But at uh, any rate, uh, make sure you take a look at that schedule. I'm sure it wasn't just Long Beach that changed. And mark your calendars because people like KTM are supposed to bring the 390 Duke with them. Hmm. Yeah, maybe I'll go. Nah, I probably won't. I I haven't been to. Sh- I can't remember the last time I went to a show. I don't. I don't remember. I guess what last time um, I went was with Lee. Yeah, uh, with me. Right to work. Of course. Yeah, I know. I just last year the shows are so see. It's like I, the shows to me are just so blah. I mean, other than seeing people, it's the only motivation for me to go is to see people. Mm-hmm. That's why I wanted to go last year. The one in New York would be fun. No, I've been to the one. I've been to the one in New York. It's not as fun as it used to be. Well, for the meeting people aspect of things. Oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe. It's not as stocked. True. That's true. It's a good, might be a good time to meet people. Maybe try that. Yeah, they, they have not released their... I mean, it's a month away, actually, today. Hmm. Hmm. And uh, there is no mention of a schedule as far as to what kind really? of events they're going on there. <laughs> now, if oh. you go to their website, there is no schedule. Oh, you mean there. there's no schedule for that city? Yes. Got it. There's no schedule for Long Beach. I imagine there's schedules for other cities. Mm, but yeah, not not a lot yet going on as far as what we can expect at the particular Long Beach show. But no doubt you will be seeing me pop around. So yeah. in the event you uh, are in the L.A. area, 
come out, say hi. Yeah, I lost all my love for the motorcycle show five years ago. Just like, I'd be perfectly thrilled when, not to go ever. When again. they stopped with the ladies? Yeah, just like my last tour with them. It was just awful. It's like they just never have their shit together. The shows always get smaller. Like the last time I was in New York, it got moved to the lower level, which was their smallest room in that building because they didn't have enough booths. And the, it's so sad. The show's so sad. It's nothing like it was 10 years ago. You said you're well, let's, let's hope that 2014-2015 uh, season sees an improvement I would hope so. in the show. Their biggest competitor, at least as far as I'm aware of at the moment, is going to be AIM Expo, which is this weekend. I'd much rather if go you're, to that. Yep. If you're in the Orlando area, you should be heading out to AIM Expo, which uh, I think has some pretty nice weather because I saw a couple of shots of my friends who mm -hmm. have the Gibbs quad ski out in the area. So if, mm. you're, if you're going to AIM this weekend, say hi to Dan and Eric for me out over at the quad skis and take them for a test. But uh, I want to go. To yeah, that. there are a couple of unveilings. There's some Suzuki news, as far as I, I've heard, some Suzuki unveilings. Mm. I know that Frankie's working on some PR stuff, so that's definitely one I want to go to. I would at least, but I don't know. All the shows are they're all ruined for me after going to Eichma. It's like I can't go to. I, I just can't. go She's to She's at shows. front row concert. She can't possibly yeah. sit in the nosebleeds anymore. It's really hard. It is. Yeah. You know, you get, you go to like a full-on rock concert with, you know, the best players and the best music, and then you go down the street to a broken-down restaurant where they <laughs> have a stage, and then you sit down and listen to music. I, Man, I you were harsh. Tr um, trust me, if you've got, if you, if you've been, if you've never gone, you know exactly what I mean, and you wouldn't be able to go either. Because it is. I know, but they haven't approved my media credentials because you try to knock them like after you've already been to this year's show. <laughs> Wait, you mean ICMA? They'll give you a media credential. What do you mean? No, no, not ICMA. The IMS. No. But, um, yeah, I mean, at some point in my life, I'm sure I'll be able to go. What would really be awesome go. about ICMA is if it was in a better time weather wise. Because I've heard it, it is was... just so cold in Italy by the time Ico rolls around. I don't know. Maybe it was global warming, but when I went, it was perfect. It was like oh, 65. Okay. Yeah, it was Because nice. I would love to tie that into a riding, something riding. Yeah, no, the weather was actually really nice. But who knows? Global warming, yeah. it might be freezing by then, but it's worth it. It doesn't matter. You're inside. You're in these giant football field-sized buildings all day long sure. anyway. But then after I'm done with Icma, <laughs> I want to move on to something with two wheels because yeah. isn't that a part of every vacation? Yeah, no, my dream would be to spend a week and then at least spend two to three full days at the show and then go off and ride around Italy. That'd be all. You know, do one of those Ducati tours where you like visit the factory and then you ride a Multistrada around or, or right. whatever. I would just like them to give me a Multistrada and then I'll just take it on my own. Yeah, or whatever, or that, or whatever, but um, yeah, I want to go back. It's on my bucket list to go back there and make it a vacation. Maybe yeah. next year. So, Who needs to an awesome family? segue from <laughs> discussing motorcycles into vacations with two wheels. We have part two of Christy's great adventure through three countries on one Royal Enfield. I think we kind of covered a little bit of entering Nepal, mm -hmm. which um, 
Which for Americans is pretty easy, actually. As long as you hit one of the border towns that has a... It's a specific border town that's called out on their pages for their visas. But hmm. anyway, if you go through there, you pay exactly 25 US dollars. They won't take, like, any other currency. Nice. <laughs> so I'm really glad I actually had US currency on me for other hmm. reasons. Um, and they're also very particular about having any sort of little tiny rip in your bills. Huh. Like if you have just the tiniest, tiniest little rip, they won't take it. Okay. And I found India and Bhutan to also be that way too. But here in the U.S., I could take a dollar bill, rip it yeah. in half, take it back together, and still take it to a retailer and yeah. be able to use it. I just thought that was amazing. But anyway, Interesting. so... so Nepal's visa is in America, and I was able to just cross the border, pay $25, they uh, and give them a, a passport photo and fill out a little form, and they hand me a visa and hand me my passport, and onward we go. Nice. So it was just the bikes that are always a time-consumptive process, and that's really no different from any other place that I've traveled. Uh, bikes always take longer than the human. And... So after that, we started to to gather the, you know, I think I talked about this a little bit, the the difference in transportation and roads. So I think our first night was in Pokhara. Got to spend my birthday in Pokhara. Exhausted, raining. Um, It's the monsoon, Chrissy. What do you expect? And got to wander around that city. It was interesting. You know, Pokhara is is well-known, one of two very well-known cities in Nepal. That is for the Annapurna range treks, Poker is. And then Kathmandu is for the Everest treks. So two different parts of the Himalayas that people like to go to. And and Poker seems, well, I mean, I guess Poker and Kathmandu are both hippie towns. Hmm. They have a, a pretty sizable expat population. So after we left Poker, we went to Kathmandu, which was very close. It was only like a half day's ride. And uh, their traffic in Kathmandu was definitely a primer for what full-on traffic would be like in major Indian cities because it was just nuts. And I think I have some video of that, but just uh, wall-to-wall people, bikes, cars, and none of their streets are labeled either. And what's worse is that all of their streets are different angles it's it's like the amazing oh, no. bizarre maze it's like a mouse maze it's like riding Things in boston around. yeah maybe so none of the streets are, are kind of like they are in in most uh, american cities where nice. you know sometimes they're skewed a little bit but most of the time it's like north south east west these were little alleys were officially streets storefronts are everywhere you've got very little space some proper streets are like six feet wide like, we, we kept asking for directions to get to the hotel, which was a hotel I stayed at in 2002. So, does that mean that you had no internet and, like, nothing, none of your devices would help you? There, no. Because what happens with Siri when I'm wandering in, well, actually, not in Nepal because I did not get a Nepal SIM. Oh. If I would have gotten a Nepali SIM card, I would have been able to do it, but my SIM card was for India. So I could still use wireless on my device in hotels, but I could not just, you know, pull info from the satellites. You'd be using data. So didn't have that. Hmm. But even if I did, one of the caveats of 
using, you know, Siri or, or the internet is how good is your connection? How good is your signal? Because the mapping program on a, in a city like that, where you have a constant crisscross of streets everywhere and, and not, you know, not separated out quite a distance Hmm. is that the app might not be able to keep up with you. Well, maybe you might be moving faster than the speed of Siri. In which case you're going to miss the alley. And, and, uh, so we asked questions probably took like a good 30 minutes. Hmm. And one of the streets that this guy said, Oh no, 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 you need to go back down the street. I'm literally, we're turning around watching and there are cars just filing out of this alleyway. The cars can barely fit through this thing. And I'm thinking, uh, Hmm. do we wait until all the cars have come through and then we go like, how does that work? Um, so it was pretty intense. It's like going through a, a full bazaar with people and lots of foot traffic and nowhere for pedestrians to hide. And mm. you're just, you know, blitzing through. So finally we got to the hotel, uh, Kathmandu guest house. I, I stayed there before. Granted, I think I stayed there in a slightly nicer room that had its own bathroom. But, um, needless to say, hotel has been there forever. It's uh, very pretty and, uh, just a really nice, refreshing change to what we were staying in previously. That was a little more homestay caliber. Mm. Um, so, you know, got to catch up on internet and basic stuff like laundry, ho-hum. Shower. Um, one of my favorite places in Kamandu when I was there in 2002 was a shop that was run by a British guy who married a Nepali woman. And they manufactured backpacks. So they made their own proper, like, you know, Everest climbing backpacks and all sorts of variations of smaller bags. And I thought, I really want to go back to that shop because I'm in need of, you know, this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. And I go to look up where the shop is. And, of course, no address. It's Mm. just a description. (laughs) It's near near Mountain Hardware. It's in this area. Okay, great. I have them call. They ask for directions. They get the same response as what they had on the way. It's near this, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I head off in that direction. They try to give me directions. I never find it. The only reason I found it the first time in 10 years ago, 12 years ago, was because I was wandering through the town and just stumbled across it and went, oh, this is rad. So in other words, I think my point here is some of the cool little nooks and crannies that you find in, in Kathmandu and in places in Nepal, they find you. You don't find them if you're looking for it you won't find it it's just down a dark alley somewhere you'll be lucky if you can find your way back to the hotel so maybe not but, the uh, most newbie new traveler friendly location <laughs> maybe something to tackle after you're about 10 years in or something well more experienced I, mean, I, wasn't even, I wasn't even 10 years in i did it in 2002 <laughs> the thing with with the when i did it backpacking is that um well and i mean i still do this now I would just uh, take a map or not from the hotel and go wandering and take a hotel business card. And at some point in time, when I got lost Mm. and I thought I wanted to go home, Mm. I would just fly a taxi down, give them the business card and say, take me back. So that is also something, Mm. uh, the Christie secret that I've employed as far as getting lost in a city, uh, which I will describe later. But basically, you know, the taxi is your friend. Sure, it costs money, but you actually don't need to ride in it to make it work for you. True. So we left Kathmandu 
we carried on through uh, a couple small towns before we reached the border. And I think it was either leaving Kathmandu or the day after where it was just the horrendous dirt experience that I had. Which, we're going down a, a nice highway um, with some decent twisties. It's in a, a river valley. So you have a good view. My water bottle has decided that it no longer wants to travel with me. So it, it left. <laughs> so I'm left without a water bottle, an algae bottle. And uh, we reach a point where there's this little sign that says detour. And the road's closed. Mm. And so I'm looking at the road thinking, well, you know what? I'll just walk it out. See why it's closed. See if we can just scoot around it. So that ends up being a 15, 20 foot deep hole with a pipe at the bottom of it, and it's totally exposed, and the gap is enormous. So we're using the detour here. So I go back and I look at the detour, and it is a rocky, ruddy, near vertical road that goes up the mountain and along the, the ridge line and then back down the mountain on the other side. And I wait for, for Tashi, and I look at him, I'm like, I don't, I don't have some good feelings about this. <laughs> like this, this does not look promising. I'm about to do a hill climb mm. on a loaded down infield mm. that's got a lot of like rocks and ruts. It would have been fine if it was just straight, you know, graded and and straight up. But they had to add the element of the the whoops and some other stuff that mm. just. It didn't look very promising, so I, I warned him. I, I don't think that this is going to end well, so make sure that, you know, stay ahead of me because no one on a road like that, you never want to be behind me, especially someone who's going slow when you need momentum. So I'm like, stay ahead of me, but note that you're going to probably need to come and bail me out, so don't get further from shouting distance hmm. away. And so I made it about halfway up, hanging on. The springer seat did not help. The fact that the the foot pegs on the on the shifter were such that you know you've got the rocking motion like you know down up shifting so when you're trying and then you've got the foot peg in the middle so when you're trying to go up something or you're in dirt and you're going over a lot of bumps there's just no way that a giant cd boot is going to not put its heel down and trigger you to downshift or shift in a neutral so that hmm. happened to me quite a bit. And that wasn't the reason why I ate it. The reason why I ate it was just because it was crazy rocky and, and I'm bouncing around on the seat. And sometimes it just doesn't work out for you. So I just, you know, going very slow, plunk, went over. And uh, actually, when I went over, it was a little bit lower. Like, it wasn't flat. It was a little lower. Like, it, the angle was steeper than flat. So if you can imagine the bike wasn't laying on its side, it was... Like, even the tank was lower than the wheel. Okay, so you so, were pointing downhill. The bike was... Um, bike was pointing uphill, but the part that I fell on was the hill was going down a little bit. Oh. So, yeah, I mean, still up like this, but like that. Mm. And, of course, you guys at home are like, wait, we can't see your hand signals. But, um... Anyway, the gasket on the tank was bad, which happened to me in South America where I dumped the bike and the gas starts coming out and I start to panic because, well, oh. there's no gas station nearby. You're in the middle of nowhere yeah. and we don't know when the next gas station is. So I'm screaming at the top of my lungs for him to come because there is no one around oh. and I don't want to, I don't want to wait. <laughs> so I can't keep the gas inside the bike. So he comes back. We ride the bike. Nothing's really wrong with it. It's fine. And and I look at him like, all right, so 
I could keep trying this and probably, you know, falling. I wasn't hurt. And and we could keep losing gas, or I could just admit the fact that this isn't going to be something that I'm going to do all the way up and have you ride it to the top. Uh, and, and when you get to a flat slope, just park it. So I had my valet <laughs> do the rest of the tough part. He'll, he'll kill me if he ever hears this podcast. Um, do the do the rest of the mountain and park it up top. And, uh, and, and don't think that there was some amazing carriage that took me to that part. It was really hot. I was dehydrated. I lost my water bottle. We were sharing a bottle. Mm. And I had my camera gear, my backpack, the full, you know, Gore-Tex and the helmet, of course, because I didn't want to hold or yeah. send anything up with him. Yeah. So I'm wearing all gear and hiking. but hiking up the side of a mountain. Oh. So it was definitely not rainbows and sunshine. And I was sweating like a champ. Mm. So by the time I got up to this flat part, you know, we were just up this first thing. And I'm like, okay, I certainly hope we don't have to keep doing this. Because I was at my, I was about to be at my wit's end because the dirt felt like it lasted for like another hour at least. And it was a little more up and some flat parts. We went through a town which is where I made that series of just Christy couldn't get more awkward in a close-up videos on Instagram, uh, where I think I believe my exact lines were, fuck adventure. Um, sorry, kids. And, and we stopped at this town, and I was, we just had like a Coke and then a bottle of water because we were just dehydrated as, as all hell. Not like a Coke is really what you want, but sugar mm-hmm. is definitely helpful. And these kids and everybody starts to gather around us like they've never seen motorcyclists blast through here. Or at least they've never seen the white one on a Triumph or an Enfield. So after we took a couple photos, kept going, still lots of downhill now, rocks, it's all slippery. Finally, we reach the road and I feel like I need to kiss the pavement. Much like I did the last time when I was in South America and I did like 200 kilometers. It took me eight hours kiss the pavement because i love it and there are a couple more sections that were a little dirt dirty like that but not nearly as bad as as the hill climb portion so i was pretty happy and you know in something like that all i really need is for someone to tell me look you've got like another two kilometers and you're done like you know the the american signs that say road work for the next five miles well we're at four and a half so i've got a half mile to go so just tough it out so the fact that I didn't know when the end was coming was a little bit vexing for me mm. um, mentally. But um, I would say that if you would have told me the views that I had following that really shitty morning were going to be anything like they were, I would have been like, all right, yeah, let's do this. All right, let's go. I'm ready. Because the probably best views and best photos of my trip were from the mountaintop that we found after that rough patch. So we probably had lunch at like one thirty, two o'clock, and I had noodles. And they could have been, I think it was like top ramen noodles. Um, not really what I would expect when someone fixes me noodles, but okay. It was the best noodles I've ever had in my entire life because I was so starving. They could have fed me anything. And so we take off and start to go on some... Um, uh, what do you call it? Not corkscrew. Switchbacks. What's the... 
Hairpins. Is that it? Hairpins. Thank you. Um, hairpin turns. And finally, at the top of these hairpins, and we, we're kind of by ourselves. There's maybe been like one or two cars in like 30 minutes. We reach the top of this very lush green mountain that we've been on doing hairpins and come around the corner and the sky is just perfectly light blue with these fluffy clouds the the guardrails are actually posts that are painted white black and white and it's a two-lane road and down beneath us is all green with a pretty stream off in the off in the distance and little towns along the stream and as you keep looking down the road there are these perfect as the as the mountain kind of as the ridgeline comes down so you've you're going down to the valley and you're following a ridgeline that's going down there's these perfect little loops that are coming out and they're cutting crisscross the ridgeline and it was just perfect little um corners perfect turns and it was just so amazing we probably spent like 40 minutes there just taking pictures and then he took off and i took his picture on on one of the on one of the loops and it was just breathtaking and totally not what i would expect from nepal so because where can people see these photos where do we you can see these photos on my Instagram account, which is Instagram.com slash Motorific Media. So same spelling. Upload some of these others, like scenic, I don't know, maybe a few different albums. We could put together a couple of. Yeah, I need to start there. writing articles, but uh, I will mm-hmm. definitely have some uh, some photos reach the website probably once I've I've done with the article process. Mm-hmm. Um for for those who can't wait for that, uh, there is Instagram. So I posted some photos on Instagram. But it was honestly the best views I've seen. I'd probably even say more fulfilling than Brazil, hmm. which I think was one of the more scenic places I went to in South America. And you're just not expecting that. Um, you are expecting it if you're hiking in the mountains in in the Himalayas and you're backpacking. You're gonna you're gonna have your breath taken away by the um, alpenglow and the and the snow-capped peaks, but you're not expecting to have that kind of just, oh, everything's great. The road is in perfect condition. There are no potholes. There's no one else on the road. There's no honking. It's just quiet. Mm. It's green. It's lush. It's just gorgeous. So that was probably the best, best part, best and the worst day. Nice. Combined into one. And so as we left that area, we stayed... I can't remember the last night where we stayed in in Nepal um, without actually looking at my photos. But, oh, yeah. It was as we were getting close to Bhutan, there were... uh, Actually, no, we exited... Sorry, I'm, like, backtracking. We exited Nepal back in India. And uh, we stayed at his his father-in-law's house in Kalimpong. So once we got back into India from Nepal... It was lots of honking, <laughs> and possibly the the worst roads of the trip had to have been between Siliguri and Kalimpong, which is near Darjeeling, like in the West Bengal province of mm. India. And they were getting pummeled with rain, like un, like just beyond what they were used to as far as monsoons. And there were landslides, a lot of landslides, 
Um, definitely some of the landslides that we saw were reminiscent of what one of our listeners so kindly posted on my page, which was a giant rockfall that knocked out a couple of cars. And he said, oh, Christy, I sure hope you don't run into this. All I could think of is, thank you, Quentin. I really appreciate knowing one more thing I've got to worry about when I'm traveling. So there were quite a few situations like that, but nothing actively happening. It was just kind of like uh, if it rained the day before and the rain stopped at 4 or 5 o'clock, you would probably expect the roads sometime during the night to have landslides and find them in the morning. So I think most of the landslides we saw had happened the night before. And they're actually quite, they're on it. They're moving the landslide off of one lane of the road. So if you have a two-lane road, they'll move it off of just one lane so that both cars, both directions can share that. So as you're coming to like a corner and you see that there's a landslide, you have an even greater chance of getting hit because someone around the corners can be like, oh, well, that lane's open. Don't even try to understand their strategy. But, uh... Needless to say, that area of India was just the most tragic of the roads. And there was an entire mountain section that was only 15, no, probably like 30 kilometers that at least took like two hours because it was so bad. And there were sections of it that were gravel, cobbles, stream crossing, and then a very long section that was wet clay. So you're going... Kind of feet on the pegs, maybe outriggers, somewhere in between. There's always bumps. Nothing's ever flat and simple. And you're sloshing around. And and the first time we did it was at the end of the day. And it was towards, actually, it was towards like 8 o'clock. So we were exhausted and almost doing this at dusk. And then a couple more times that I did that route because we needed to go up and down that, that one section of road in order to get in and out. The next time I did it, it was pitch black dark. And uh, lights on an Enfield, not really not that good. Great. <laughs> so I hold the flashlight. <laughs> I thought maybe if I could just go through my bag and free up the uh, headlamp, that, that might help a little bit. Uh. Mounted on the shoe berth. So that was definitely not fun. But um, hey, you know what? I survived. Rock on. I will live another day, and we will save Bhutan for the next podcast at fifty-five. And then the Bonneville will be 56. I'm keeping my lady on the East Coast up late. So thank you for joining us for 54. keep forgetting what numbers we're on. So we'll talk to you sometime next week. It's like Um, a birthday. You hit your milestone and then everything else. Hopefully we can do it Sunday because I'm busy Monday and Tuesday. So hopefully we'll have something earlier in the next week. And um, we'll talk to you then. In the meantime, visit us at motorific.com. And then, of course, facebook.com slash, is it the Motorific Podcast? I think it's just Motorific Podcast. Yeah, facebook.com slash Motorific Podcast. And then, of course, you can visit us on Twitter as ABV Goddess and Gear Chick. And we'll talk to you then. Bye.